Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. Good morning, church. Buenos dias. Um, My name is Giovanna Leva. I'm a covenant member here at The Well. Along with my husband and our daughters, we attend the Lakeline CG. And um, you'll also find me um, serving as a greeter and welcoming you to our time of worship every couple of weeks. This morning, um, we will be reading out of the book of Titus on the first chapter. Um, I will be reading in Spanish, but I welcome you to follow along in your Bibles or in the screen right behind me. Titus, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Tito, capítulo 1, versículos del 1 al 4. Pablo, siervo de Dios y apóstol de Jesucristo, llamado para que, mediante la fe, los elegidos de Dios lleguen a conocer la verdadera religión. Nuestra esperanza es la vida eterna, la cual Dios, que no miente, ya había prometido antes de la creación. Ahora, a su debido tiempo, Él ha cumplido esta promesa mediante la predicación que se me ha confiado por orden de Dios nuestro Salvador. A Tito, mi verdadero hijo, en esta fe que compartimos, que Dios el Padre y Cristo Jesús nuestro Salvador te concedan gracia y paz. Esta es la palabra de Dios. This is the word of the Lord. All right, TW, the well. How are we? Good. Hey, I'm lit. Uh, did y'all hear baptisms last week? So good. So good. Hey, so thanks for sharing all of you who uh, shared and took that step of obedience. Honestly, it gassed me up for months. I'm excited. Uh, And praise God. He's doing just such an incredible work through so many people here in the midst of uh, our church. So many cool things happening. So excited to be here with you all this morning. Uh, We are kicking off a new series. We're specifically thinking about the topic of discipleship. And so not only are we going to be exegetically working through the book of Titus like we normally do, but we're going to be narrowing in on discipleship in that process and hopefully fix some of our likely broken frames when we think about this topic of discipleship. Because our lenses, mine included, uh, often get dirty over time. And so I hope that this series and the retreats, at least just a little bit, really commissions us to make an impact in the world around us and realigns our vision to rightly think about this idea of discipleship. So we have a ton to dive into, so let's jump right into the pool. Uh, Titus is one of the pastoral epistles, and it was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church pastor named Titus, and he was writing to Titus about how to fix or how to run or how to help or how to bless a specific local church. So already you can see some of the idea of discipleship in that very thought that Paul is helping Titus learn how to pastor a church because Paul is a good shepherd himself, but I don't want to get ahead of myself just yet, okay? Uh, During the sermon, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on three things that will hopefully tee up our whole series. And so one of the things that I want us to see is actually Paul and Titus's relationship and the importance of that relationship that is there. 
A second thing I want you to see is some of the background of Crete, which is the place where Titus is shepherding. And then another thing I want us to see is some of the background of this idea of discipleship and really thinking about some of the shifts that we want to do as a church to really see us make disciples better really more holistic discipleship, fixing our thinking in the process. So we'll do these three things as we walk through the sermon today, and that will give us context for the rest of the series, some background each week. Cool? Look, I'm trying to give an outline for my type A people, all right? But if I only get at least two amens, no more outlines. Y'all cool with that? Dang. Some of y'all too type A. I don't even got a joke for that. Okay, uh, first, I'm working backwards, our framework. We made a really small shift in one of our core convictions, our distinctives recently. What used to be called equip the saints is now just called make disciples. It's the exact same language in that conviction, but we wanted to be more direct as to what we are trying to do, which is make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so this distinctive is what our entire series is going to be about. So let me read it up front here this morning. It says that we want to pursue all Jesus commanded with all of ourselves. That's our distinctive. Being a Christian is a call to growing deeper in the love of God and growing into the fullness of Christ. We see this as the process of discipleship. A disciple is someone who loves, follows, and serves Jesus. Therefore, disciple making is helping others love, follow, and serve Jesus with all of themselves. Within this pursuit, we care not just about the what of discipleship found overarchingly in the Great Commission, but also the how of discipleship found overarchingly in the Great Commandment. As Christians follow Christ's commands, the what, with all of themselves, the how, we believe that each person will learn how Christ has made them and become equipped in their unique identities, giftings, and callings to further the kingdom of God on earth. That's a mouthful, but we'll break that down this series, okay? But essentially what it's saying is we want to obey Jesus in everything and we want to love him with everything and we want to help others do the same. That is discipleship. However, the question is often, hey, how is it practically that you make disciples? And this is where I believe our paradigm gets all messed up and muddied. And, and often we don't make disciples because we make it way too complex or way too hard for us to grasp. You see, for most of us, discipleship means meeting together every single week, one-on-one, -on -one, in a coffee shop at 7.15 a.m. and you order a latte and a $9 croissant and you meet with a sage who's older than you, right? And you go through some curriculum, maybe with some others as well, or something like that. Now that is definitely a form of discipleship. I am not saying that it is not, I'm not trying to take away any money from Merit Coffee this morning. <laughs> nor am I downplaying this idea, right? Like this form of discipleship has been massive in my life. However, while discipleship can indeed be that, it is not just that. Discipleship is so much more than just that. In fact, I would argue discipleship is both corporate and it is also personal. And only when these two circles get combined do you get holistic discipleship. And that's really what we wanna focus on throughout this series. We wanna go and think about how personally we can be discipled and that's really important, but corporately we can be discipled as well. And here's what often happens is that, hey, some of us have grown up in a place where it is only corporate discipleship. 
you only get discipleship at church or on Wednesday morning Bible studies or with the pastor giving some sort of exegetical sermon or some class. And that's been your idea of discipleship. For others of us, we got involved in some really dope college ministries that emphasized the personal aspect, but then neglected the corporate aspect often. And we think that only this is discipleship. And I wanna argue that only when you bring these two together, will you be fully formed followers of Jesus. And so this week, we're gonna focus a little bit more on the personal side of discipleship. But then next week we're doing corporate and then personal and then corporate. And we're doing that dance throughout this series, just so you kind of know where we are going. This week, it's really clear that Paul is personally discipling Titus, but even here, it's not through some like coffee shop method. Paul is making a disciple of Titus using his personal gifts as an apostle, encouraging someone with similar gifts, Titus, that of shepherding, and through this, personally helping him to become a better pastor. Each week, we'll go back and forth between corporate and personal and show how if you only focus on one of these, our discipleship will come up really, really short. It is only when these are combined that we get holistic discipleship, how Christ intended, and within that full growth and also full intimacy with Christ, we need the whole body and we need the individual parts of the body to make our part of the body flourish. Now within this, I wanna say this too, on October 1st, During both the first and second gathering, we're gonna have a class around the idea of discipleship. I'm gonna teach it during both hours so you can attend the gathering and also attend that as well. We'll do this throughout the um, year as well. So if you miss October 1st, don't sweat it, we'll do it again. But I want us to really be disciple makers as a church body. And so if you're interested in diving really deep into it, then sign up for that, okay? Now remember our definition of discipleship. A disciple is someone who loves, follows, and serves Jesus. Therefore, discipleship is helping other people love, follow, and serve Jesus. Paul is making a disciple of Titus here very, very clearly. And I want us to see how we can both apply what Paul is doing into our lives so that we can understand how to both receive discipleship, but also give discipleship very strategically. That's where we're going for this whole series. Cool? Okay, you ready for today? Bet, let's chop it up. First off, Paul starts off by calling himself a servant. You see that? Or a bond servant or a slave of Christ. And so Paul was humble, yet Paul was an apostle as well. Therefore, Paul had authority. You see, a servant is kind of like a low calling, if you will. And an apostle is a quote unquote high calling. Paul is using both of his callings for the advancement of the gospel. And so right off the bat, you may feel like you have a low position in the kingdom of God, or you may feel like you have a high position, or you may feel like you have a little bit of combination of both. But do you recognize how God is wanting to use your position to bless his name and to bless his people? You may feel like you are lowly in the kingdom of God and now all you do is serve in quote unquote lower positions. But do you realize how this both unites you with Christ who is also a servant and also makes disciples of those around you? You see Christ, Mark 10, 45 says, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ made himself a servant intentionally. 
That's not who he was in the kingdom. All things were serving him, but Jesus comes and makes himself a servant. So you may not have a position like an apostle in the local church, but if you have a sacrificial heart like your Messiah, then can you not see how God can use that to both train up you to be more intimate with Christ Jesus, but also bless those around you as you serve them like Jesus served them and point them to Jesus. You see, you have an ability to move in these beautiful ways. What if your low position of service was actually the greatest blessing in the kingdom of God? All of us are waiting till we're apostles to make disciples rather than realizing, no, servants make disciples as well, saints. I think about that in my own life, even in the midst of this church. I think about somebody like Tommy Ward, who has been in this church now for 11 years. Tommy was actually the first person to come to faith at the well. And after coming to faith, praise God, after coming to faith, Tommy ended up pulling the trailer every single week for like years, y'all. Now, y'all don't realize the blessing that we have. We just put all of our stuff in storage behind those bleachers. But we used to have to drive a trailer every single Sunday and set up everything. And Tommy did that. When I say like every week, I mean, there was a year where I'm pretty sure for like 48 out of the 52 weeks of the year, Tommy pulled that trailer. And it was convicting and encouraging and challenging to me because one of the weeks he was out of town and I had to pull the trailer. (laughs) And first of all, it was hard because you're the first one in, you're the last one out. But also this city boy trying to back up a trailer somewhere, like that mug, I probably hit like six things, right? But it's like, man, this like position of service, it often convicted me because it's like, here Tommy is brand new in the faith and yet setting up so that so many other people can experience Christ week after week. And it challenged me to look more like Jesus as a servant, not just try to use the authority that Jesus has given me as an apostle. You see, servanthood really can disciple other people into the kingdom of God. So do you see how God is using your calling, your gifting, your obedience to disciple others around you to both serve Christ and also to bless them? Don't let your lack of position disqualify you from encouraging others to better love, follow, and serve Jesus. That's what I'm saying there. Now, Paul recognizes that this calling is from God. And also that this calling is for the benefit of the church. Do you see it there in verses one and two? It's for their faith, it says, their knowledge, their godliness, preparing them for eternal life based on the promises of God so that they might preach to others. Those six things, okay, we're gonna touch on each of those in a second. That is right there, our outline for today. No amens, no more outlines. (laughs) Told y'all, all right. Listen, Paul has this calling, I'm just kidding. Paul has this calling as a servant and an apostle, but look, it's to help people better love, follow, and serve Jesus or to disciple them. And he's about to disciple Titus throughout this letter, helping him see how he can do the same. So he says, hey, Titus, God gave me these gifts or this position or this calling to help other people fall more in love with Jesus. In fact, verse one through three is essentially that long definition that we read of our idea of discipleship. It's essentially right there as well in this context. And he'll later tell Titus, look, God also gave you your gifts, Titus, and this calling to do the exact same thing. So Paul is trying to call Titus to bless the church of God. 
Paul is personally discipling Titus, encouraging him to make a corporate impact in his gifts and his calling. Paul says that God gave him this gift and this calling, first part, for the faith of God's people, that is God's elect, those who are in the church of God. Paul sees it as his responsibility of ensuring and growing the faith of God's people. This family of God is a part of discipleship. You are trying to help people grow in faith and in love and in the knowledge of Jesus. That is why discipleship can be so hard at times because it's very, very personal because naturally if you love Jesus and you want other people to love him and they decide not to, or they decide to punt the faith or they decide to hurt you and wound you because you said one thing a little bit too harsh, it's really hard because you're trying to nurture and encourage faith. And when you see faith beginning to wane, that can feel very hard or personal. Maybe I'm just talking to me up here, <laughs> right? Discipleship can be hard, right? But it can also be so rewarding, which we'll see there in a second. But in discipleship, you're trying to produce greater faith and maintain faith in others. Now we know only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. But we also believe that we can partner with and be empowered by the Spirit to produce this faith in others as well. That is what you're doing every week, C.G. Shepherd. You are trying to encourage the faith of the saints. That is what you're doing every week, set up team, as you're trying to make a home for people so that they can be encouraged in their faith. That is discipleship. So whose faith right now are you trying to grow? Whose faith are you trying to encourage? Whose faith are you trying to help them to keep it, to maintain their faith in Jesus or to initiate the faith you're discipling them? That is part of what discipleship is, is for the faith of God's elect. Notice that Paul tells us who he is, a servant and an apostle, but also why he is this. It's for other people's faith. This did not have as much to do with Paul as it had to do with the people that Paul was ministering to. So what if your faith and the gifts that God is giving you is not as much about you as it is the people that God places around you that you might build them up in the faith, saints? This is why God gives gifts for the building up of the body. And so discipleship is for others because we love them and it's a way to honor and to love and serve God because God also loves them. You get that? Like God wants faith from his people. God also gives us gifts and calling. Therefore, when we use our gifts and calling to help the faith of God's people, we're partnering with God to do the very thing that God desires, which is to increase your faith. You get to see the goodness of God. It's a way to honor God and therefore to love others to increase their faith. And it is for Jesus, Paul says. So in your discipleship relationships, therefore, are you pointing to yourself and who you are and what you can do or are you pointing them to God and who he is and what he can do? Now we know the right answer, but what's the honest answer? right? Because I know I can often make this more about me than I can make it about Christ somehow. Because my identity and my insecurity starts playing in on other people's faith rather than trusting the goodness of God. And if I make it more about me, guess what I also don't do? Pray that their faith would increase because I believe only the Holy Spirit could do it anyway. 
Like we need to recognize who this is for and why we are doing this. Paul's like, look, I just want people's faith to grow. I don't care, like who does it? He says that in First and Second Corinthians. He says that in Philippians, like you do not care about your gift or your position as long as it increases the faith of God's people. So whether you're used in these mighty ways or whether you're used in these background ways, as long as Christ is exalted and people's faith are growing, that should be our desire. It only gets weird when we want the credit for it. But then you're not being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're likely just serving your own insecurities at that point. It's important to remember our motivation of discipleship. Is it because you love Jesus or because you think that being a good disciple will get you love from Jesus? Are you serving others' faith or are you hustling for a gospel that was free to you? Like Paul recognizes that he is from Christ and for Christ and now wants to use this to bless others, specifically Titus, in this context. So I just wanna check our motivation for discipleship at the start of this series. We do this for the faith of others, knowing that that pleases God. Now, what does that faith do? Well, it produces a knowledge of the truth. That's the second point there. Faith produces knowledge. There is growth. Vance Havner, he was an old school preacher back in the 1940s. He said this, in the 1940s, it might ring more true today. We are challenged these days, but not changed. Convicted, but not converted. We hear, but we don't do a dang thing about with it. <laughs> right? And thereby we deceive ourselves. As servants of God, we seek to use our authority, our gifts, our service for the salvation of the lost, but also the growth and the godliness of the believer. Because it isn't just knowledge, that's point two, but knowledge that then produces godliness. That's what Paul is after. You see, some of us love theology, but we're as unholy as when we first converted, The truth, true truth, changes us, saints. Truth leads to godliness. It leads to our change in Christ. Listen, saints, any doctrine that does not produce holiness is just garbage covered in whipped cream. It may look good, it may sound good, it may smell good, it might even taste good when you first put it in your mouth, but when you digest it, it turns into poison in your body. Truth, it changes us. And discipleship helps change us to make us look more like Jesus. So let me ask you, the people that you're consuming truth from, like on IG and TikTok, right? If the truth that you're getting produces a mediocre spiritual life with a lack of godliness, maybe you're eating from the wrong sources, including yourself, by the way. If you are your main source of truth and if you're telling yourself what you should think and feel and how you should act in a situation and it's producing mediocre intimacy with Jesus and a lack of godliness, maybe you should stop listening to you so much. Maybe you should listen to others who can pour into you, who want your faith and your growth and your godliness and your knowledge of Christ. Because what you're consuming, it may be sweet, but if it lacks substance, then it's not gonna grow you, saints. 
So in discipleship, are we trying to help people love and follow and serve Jesus? And as we're discipling them, are they following Jesus? Are they beginning to look more like him? Saints, this will lead to their joy and their blessing and their vibrancy in the Lord, just like the next section says. Godliness is always a result of faith. And if your faith is not producing more and more godliness, you may not have genuine faith. You might just have fire insurance. Faith produces change because faith creates a love for God. And the more that you love God, the more you're transformed to look like God because you desire the very life that is found in God. Now listen, that's not saying that it's, that, that it's easy right? Like, or that it doesn't take time. Godliness takes time, saints. And so sometimes it feels like you take 10 steps forward and then 9.999 steps backward in your faith. You moonwalking in your faith. I just can't do it on this little, (laughs) I can't do it at all. All right, let's let's not front, right? And I believe that because, listen, like, Faith does create holiness, that's important. Otherwise, you may be proclaiming truth, but not actually living in truth and found to be a liar, just like the Cretans are. But I also believe the devil wants you to focus on the 9.99 steps backward and miss the reality of the 10 steps forward. So don't give up on someone just because it looks like they're having a hard time. If over time you can see growth, that's what Jesus is after, saints. You're increasing the faith and the godliness in the people that are around you. That's a word for someone. Stop giving up on people. It takes time, y'all. It takes time. Faith produces life. Eternal life, by the way, the next thing, is not living forever. All of us are going to do that. Eternal life is actually Christ because he is life. Everyone's going to live forever. It's just, will you live forever or will you die forever? You see, only in Christ do we have genuine life for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we're getting more of Jesus, that's where we find true life and we find what our souls deeply long for and desire. But for each of us who believes in Jesus, saints of God, you will get the man of love and be engulfed in his love for all of eternity because God promised it and God doesn't lie. That deserves more amens and shouts right there. God promised it and God does not lie, saints. God promised. Therefore, the next part, discipleship always leads back to the word of God because that's where the promises of God are found. Quick background on Crete and on that culture, okay, for the, for the rest of this series, right? The second part we're doing here. Back then, in that culture, gods could lie. But the God that we're following, Paul says, now he'll never lie, right? Okay, Crete was this little island and they actually believed, y'all, that Zeus, the God, was actually born on that island and that he began to do all of these works on that island. If you're not familiar with Greek mythology, Zeus is one of the most important gods in all of that uh, theology and all of that, that doctrine, all that philosophy. And they believe that Zeus was born on the island of Crete. And they said he came and he got his powers from this special river source that was in Crete. And then he went back to Crete and died in Crete. And so, boom, you should 
should therefore really honor the Cretan way and the Cretan island. Now, this phrase may not be used as much in America, but to Cretanize is an actual phrase that is used. It means to be a habitual liar because everybody else was like, Zeus wasn't born on y'all's island. And they called them liars. In fact, in verse 12, really important here, it says this in this section. Paul is quoting a pagan uh, philosopher. And he says, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Listen, even philosophers can have truthful things to say at times, even if it's not baked in the word of God. That's why I'd be quoting Lil John and Lil Wayne sometimes. <laughs> Just kidding, right? No, but he's like, look, this is what they say about themselves. Now, Paul is discipling Titus, even highlighting an attribute of God that counters that culture's pathetic attributes about their gods. Their gods could lie, but our God does not, Paul says. Now today, you don't believe that God can lie, and that is cool. But what cultural lie do you need to be discipled out of? Because of the truth of God, you feel me? Like, um, are there things that you're believing to be true about God because you're swimming in a Cretan or in an American culture that you need to tell others and hear from others that is against the word of God and against the promises of God? That is part of what we do when we point people back to the promises of God. Discipleship involves showering people in the beautiful, soul-flourishing truth of God's sacred word inside of the gardens of their heart, continually planting the seeds of Christ into the soils of their heart that they might receive the spiritual fruit that the word of God produces. Also, side note, y'all, I love that it says that this plan of salvation was told from eternity past, but that God was patient to reveal it at the right time. At times we wonder why we're not getting answers from God or deliverance from God, but maybe God's planning is perfect to accomplish something greater than the temporary deliverance you're asking for. Maybe he's trying to give you eternity and you keep asking for temporary deliverance and he's patient to reveal his plan to you at the right time. That's why we must point each other back to God that doesn't lie. If God said that he's gonna bring you to completion one day, he's gonna do it. If God said that he will work all things out for your good, he's gonna do it. If God said that he will make you perfect, so much so that when he looks at you, he doesn't even see you, but sees the image of Christ, God doesn't lie. And sometimes it feels like he's slow to fulfill his promises, but we're counting time on our end, not on God's end. And on God's end, God doesn't lie. And we need to remind each other of that. And so discipleship pushes back to be reminded about God. And then the last part of discipleship, it says that we preach. Therefore we preach or we tell others about God. Um, like, think about this real quick, this mental exercise. I love that Titus knows all of these things that Paul just said, right? Like Titus is a pastor, a good one at that. He knows all of this, y'all. Like sometimes discipleship is actually rehearsing truths that you already know to continue to remember them and even rejoice in them. Titus knows that God doesn't lie, but shoot y'all, that's hard to remember, ain't it? When you're struggling, it feels like, God, are you true? 
And you have to be discipled into the same truths again. So discipleship is not just giving somebody new information, but it's reminding each other of the beautiful truths that our soul needs to continually hear. In discipleship, we're telling others about the truth of God to try to increase their faith, to help them love, follow, and serve Jesus more. And sometimes that is brand new information, yes and amen, but sometimes it's just telling each other over and over again, God doesn't lie. And we remind each other of that truth. So when you feel like you don't have enough to give because you don't know systematic theology, I want to rebuke that lie from the devil and say, if you are filled with the spirit of God, you could pour into other people, saints. You have the ability to encourage people's faith, even if it's with just simple faith. Y'all, last week, I'm sitting here like weeping on stage, trying to like get myself together, like shaking while I'm hearing stories from people who just came to faith. I've been in the faith for a long time, but their simple faith encouraged me and reminded me of the goodness of God. And it made me want to love, follow and serve Jesus more. Therefore last week through their testimonies, they were discipling me. And the same is probably true with you. They were reminding you about truths of God and you likely wanted to follow God more. You have more than you think you do to give to others. And listen, God, look at the text. He has entrusted his eternal plan of salvation to people like you and me. He said, help other people's faith. So you may feel like, I, I don't know if I have what it takes to make disciples. And I wanna reiterate once again, do you have the spirit of God? Because if so, you do have what it takes. Further, I wanna encourage you, just because some people may preach the gospel better than you, nobody will ever preach a better gospel than you. You hear me? So though you may not be as skilled or as adequate or as eloquent as the next person, you can be as obedient as the next person to make eternal life more beautiful in others. So you may not feel as skilled, but if you are obedient to proclaim the goodness of Christ, you can be as fruitful, saints. God wants to use you. Remember, personal and corporate. This week, we're thinking about personal. Paul is intentionally telling Titus all of these things that he already knows to bless the corporate church. In fact, it's really clear that Paul loves Titus. In 2 Corinthians alone, he mentions them nine times by name, always with great affection. We see this really personal, really beautiful relationship. Really, we see like one-on-one discipleship that we wanna see in the life of our church. Notice that Paul is looking at Titus as if he is a son. Do you see that relationship here? Listen, before the death and resurrection of Jesus, everything was passed down, or at least it seemed, through physical children. No children, no inheritance, because how else do you multiply the image of God on earth? However, on this side of the cross, we see very clearly that through new birth, you can have spiritual kids that reflect the image of God even more than physical children do, and therefore fulfill the creation mandate in even more beautiful ways. You see, Paul is a single man discipling Titus. Paul is a Jew discipling a Gentile about how to lead a church. Talk about diversity here. 
So you may be single and you may long for kids. And look, that could be a good desire. Don't get me wrong here. But do you realize that if you personally invest in and disciple others, you will be closer to your spiritual sons and daughters in the kingdom than I ever was to my physical daughters here on earth? You do realize what you're being invited into, saints, don't you? Like, like God is, is, the gospel is bringing you in. And if you help increase the faith of others, if you help people to love and follow and serve Jesus, y'all, do you hear that? Like we need spiritual mothers and fathers. People who love on and care and lead and guide and bless and serve and sacrifice and lift up others. And each of us can do that no matter what your status is. If you are in Christ, you can have spiritual children that multiply the image of God on earth until Christ is the name that is above every other name. Paul is doing this for Titus and encouraging Titus to do this for the whole church. Think about this discipleship. Because Paul, or because God called Paul to be an apostle and he gave him gifts to minister to local churches, Paul is now able to pour into Titus to do the same. So how has God gifted you? What seasons of life has he put you through? Where are you a servant? Where are you an apostle? Where is your gifting? And how can God use that with others in your life that are in similar situations or seasons or, or have similar giftings to help them serve and love Jesus better? I think about uh, Tony Evans, a pastor up in Dallas. Uh, one of my pastoral heroes. And two weeks ago, I saw that it was a 74th, I believe, birthday. And all of his spiritual sons threw this big surprise for him. He had no idea that it was coming. He just walks into church. And there was about 80 men who he has invested in who ended up all showing up at his church that Sunday and just was there, just celebrating his birthday. And there were about 80 men that he poured into, 80 men that are all now pastors of churches. And as I began to look at that, I thought, okay, wait a minute. First of all, there's no way that Tony Evans personally discipled 80 different men in one-on-one coffee shop type relationships. I'm a lead pastor. I know how difficult that would be. That would be impossible while he's also writing books and speaking and building a church and all the things that he has done, which means that a lot of those men experienced the corporate idea of discipleship where maybe they were in one-on-three, maybe they were in classes, maybe they were just at Oak Cliff and receiving the goodness of God from his ministry. Yet there were all of these people that God has gifted him to then multiply into others. And when I think about 80 other lead pastors being Uh, 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 serving and loving Jesus because of his ministry, I look at the spiritual multiplication and I think, dang, what a gift that will be when Tony stands before Jesus and there's hundreds of other people that say, man, thank you. Thank you. And just because discipleship can be personal, saints, even in that example, I want us to see it's also communal or it's the common faith. You see that phrase there? Meaning we all share it That means all of us have something to share. That's a word for someone, actually. We all share the same faith. Therefore, we all have something to share. You have something to give. Baptisms last week, once again. Sometimes it was one person, 
right, that brought them in. And they were like excited and they were encouraged. And that person walked with them all the way to dunking them in the trough, praise God. But other times it was one person that invited and then a sermon and then a CG shepherd and then somebody that just welcomed them in and then another person, then another person. And then six years later, they're getting baptized. All of us have something to give. You can help people better love, follow and serve Jesus with the spiritual gifts and the calling and the obedience that God has given you. And as we intro this series, it's important that we know what discipleship is. It's those things, increasing the faith, knowledge, the godliness, et cetera, of God's people, but also what the goal of discipleship is. The goal is more of Jesus, y'all. Stay with me as we land the plane here, okay? We see even in this passage, God is savior and Jesus is savior because Jesus is God. Savior, that word is used 12 times in the New Testament. Six times it's actually used in the book of Titus. Three times it's used for God and three times it's used for Jesus. There must have been an issue on that island about believing in the saviorness of God that Paul was trying to disciple Titus in. But in four verses, we get this really, really high view of Jesus. It shows us that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the savior, the one who can deliver. It shows us that Jesus is God because he shares the similar attributes along with God. It shows us that Jesus has authority to send. Paul is an apostle of Jesus, a sent one of Jesus. Therefore, it is Jesus's mission that we are trying to complete. Jesus is the focus here. In four verses, you have a very high view of Jesus and you do not get discipleship without a very high view of Jesus. Paul is making Jesus big here because Jesus is big. So anytime we have discipleship that isn't focused on Jesus, we're not having true discipleship. We're just having small talk. Jesus is God. Discipleship is to help us better love and serve and follow Jesus. And ultimately saints, all of our discipleship is made possible because of Jesus himself. You see, Jesus was the true servant of God for the sake of God's elect, not Paul. Paul was a mirror to the trueness of Christ. Paul was a shadow to Christ who was the whole. He is the sent one from God for the faith faith of God's elect. You see, Jesus was the one who initiated our faith. He is the very author of our faith and he's the one that sustains our faith, not Paul. Yet Paul is an image of this, but Jesus is the one that does this a whole. Jesus was the sent one from God to increase your faith that you might know God. Jesus is the better apostle. You see, Jesus is not just the hope of eternal life. He is life itself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus has life in himself, yet Jesus dies as if there is no eternal life in him. Family, Jesus never lies, he has never lied, yet he was crucified like a liar, like a commandment breaker, like one who was disobedient to God and consistently dishonored men. Jesus is the true child of the Father, not Titus to Paul, but Jesus to God the Father, yet Jesus was treated like an outsider. Jesus is full of grace and peace, yet was crucified in wrath and agony. Jesus took everything opposite in this passage so that Titus and us can receive everything positive from this passage. Jesus was crushed that you might have life. And Jesus was sent out of heaven onto earth so that he can take us from earth and bring us to heaven with him one day. 
Jesus is the ultimate disciple maker, and he is who we're trying to disciple other peoples towards. So as we think about discipleship, I want you to intentionally think, who might God be calling me to personally pour into? Who? I want you to ask the Spirit of God, even as we pray here in a couple seconds. We'll talk about corporate discipleship more next week, because that's a big piece that's often missing, but who? Coworkers, your kids, right? The people in your CG, the people that you serve with, the person that you just met that you feel the Spirit's tug to really pour into, who might God be calling you to personally pour into? And what are you trying to pour into them? Are you trying to pour into them just random knowledge that doesn't produce godliness? Or are you trying to help them better love, serve, and follow Jesus? This could be done one-on-one in a coffee shop, or it could be done with intentional relationships like Paul had here with Titus. In fact, like Paul, you can use your position to bless others. So you may feel like you are just a servant, saints, but I guarantee you, you have something to give. Be intentional about thinking, who can I intentionally pour into? And whether it's a short interaction, one meeting on a Sunday morning, or whether it is a father-son, mother-daughter type of long-standing relationship, as you help people better love, follow, and serve Jesus, the God who never lies promised you that there will be a reward waiting for you. And so while discipleship may be hard, I believe that for all of us who are faithful, many people will greet you in the kingdom of God and bless you and they will thank you on that great day. And that's my hope for you. Not so that we can just like do the Christian thing. I want your reward and your joy in Christ. And I believe that being obedient to Jesus' great commission to make disciples will produce some of the greatest reward for us on this life and in the life to come. So I pray we'd be a disciple-making church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray together. Ma'am, Jesus, thank you. Savior, Messiah, Son of God, the true apostle of God, the true sent one of God, I thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to enter into this mission and this ministry with you. That we can both be disciples of you, Jesus, we can better love and follow and serve you, and we can make disciples of you, Jesus. Each of us get the opportunity to do that. I thank you for that, Christ. God, I wanna pray two things in specific. One. I wanna pray for everybody who walked into this room today who may not be a disciple of yours, Jesus. Friend, maybe you walked in unsure of where you are with Jesus or, or you know confidently that, that you don't follow Jesus. Maybe today you feel the Lord calling you just like he called Paul to come into relationship with him. I want you to know that you can have relationship with Jesus today. But if you say, Jesus, I wanna follow you, I trust you, I place my faith in you. I don't even really know what this means, but but I want to walk with you, Jesus. God invites you into relationship today. Receive that invitation of Christ. Come into his presence. Believe, follow, serve Jesus today. He is life, life everlasting. Christ, for each of us who have made that profession, who say, no, I want to follow Jesus, I pray, Christ, that you would help us to grow. 
Help us to grow in holiness and godliness. Help us to grow in love and in knowledge. Help us to grow in faith and in the promises of you. Let us rest on the promises of you, God, and then help us to help others do the same. The fact that you invited us broken vessels in to make much of you, Jesus, I will never, that will never get tired of me thinking about that. What a gift. What a gift. So God, help us to both receive discipleship, give discipleship, help us to receive it first and foremost from you, Christ, and then give that to others. Jesus, even as we end singing these songs and as we end taking communion, I pray that our hearts would genuinely long for more of you, Jesus, that we would want to receive discipleship from you, to love, follow, and serve you, that we might bless others. Pray this in your very beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.